Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21. We're studying biblical prophecy in the first letter of Peter. And today we're trying to discover the answer to the question, who are the spirits in prison? And by that, I'll read the verse from chapter 3, verses 18, 19, and 20. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were saved through water. Well, who exactly are these spirits in prison that Jesus went and preached to after his passion? Um, this is what the Catholic Commentary on Sacred Scripture, and this is a great series uh, published by Baker, had to say about this passage. We have now arrived at the most perplexing section of First Peter, and indeed what many consider the most obscure passage in the entire New Testament. From the late second century until today, this passage has received widely diverging interpretations, and that's to say the least. And by the way, I am not going to bore you with the widely diverging interpretations. The reason there's so many widely diverging interpretations is for a specific reason, and I'll mention to you. Once you tackle that reason, uh, this passage becomes actually quite easy. Uh, This is what the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible says about this. Few passages of the New Testament are as difficult to interpret as 1 Peter 3, verses 18 through 20. The history of interpretation, beginning in patristic times, has witnessed numerous attempts to unravel its meaning. Now, you may have wondered why I spent so much time in the book of Genesis when we're studying biblical eschatology, biblical prophecy. When you think of biblical prophecy, you think of looking forward to the end, and yet Genesis is looking back to the beginning. One of the key statements of all biblical prophecy, if you remember, is Jesus' own words. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. The second coming, the days preceding the second coming, that short period preceding the second coming, will resemble the days described in Genesis 6. The reason there has been centuries of multiple interpretations, and when you see them all over the board, so to speak, somebody's missing something here, okay? 
And you might have thought, oh, Steve's doing Genesis 6. I'm tuning in Luke 21 to get some biblical prophecy. I'm heading right over to, say, Matthew 24, the book of Revelation. But Genesis 6 is so crucial because Jesus himself saying, here's the preview. And this is what's going to be going on at the end of the world. And so in a certain sense, uh, if we're approaching that age that Jesus was talking about resembling uh, the days of Noah, then if you don't know about, say, Genesis 6, you're going to be skipping all over the place trying to figure out what's going on. So I'm going to give you a big hint. The answers to 1 Peter 3, the identity of the spirits in prison, you're going to need what we studied called protology and eschatology in Genesis. In Genesis 6, I did multiple broadcast episodes 219 through 225. It's essential for being able to understand the most obscure passage in the New Testament. It actually becomes quite easy if you go through this material. Otherwise, you think I maybe have gone insane and you'll still be less uh, still be wondering, what in the world does this passage mean, these spirits in prison? Okay, The need for studying episodes, Luke 21, episodes 219 through 225, is going to increase as we go to 2 Peter and Jude. It's practically impossible to understand these, these epistles and what's being taught there, particularly the prophetic implications from these things, without grounding it in Genesis 6. It was by purpose we did Genesis 6 before turning to passages like this. Now, I've been aware, and I I don't know why it is, but I've been aware of what was going on in Genesis 6 as I taught you way back when we did our studies in Genesis 6. Again, that's episodes 219 through 225. Really what's going on in Genesis 6, it's talking about spirits uh, and angels breaking a just a fundamental division of things, so to speak, in the universe. And angels came down and took for themselves wives of human beings, women, and they produced giants of old. And we went through all kinds of scriptures in the Old Testament, Deuterocanonical books, referring to what was going on. And you may have heard. Now, this, you know, obviously it's kind of jilts your sensitivities, I guess, to even think of such a thing. But I don't know how I came across this, but I remember I got a master's thesis from somebody, you know, 20 years ago and read articles. And I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in this, and uh, I, it's probably been 30 years I came down to this interpretation that I gave you back in Genesis 6, which surprisingly enough has become the majority interpretation. In the very, very recent uh, time, uh, because it wasn't too long ago, Catholic commentaries on Scripture wouldn't even— mentioned what I taught you in Genesis 6. Wouldn't even mention it as an option. And there are still some Catholic study Bibles or read through the Bible in a year type things that won't even mention there's an alternative interpretation. They just kind of leave it out. So 
the spirits in prison were the fallen angels who God cursed at the time of the flood. It was so serious that God had to put an end to mankind. Why? Because you get a uh, hybrid, so to speak. You might like it for your gas mileage, a hybrid car, but hybrid human beings aren't a good idea because Jesus became fully human to redeem fully human beings, and it's a subverting of the plan of redemption to mix that. So here's what happened, and uh, it's very interesting that the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible uh, said this. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of laughing because this isn't anything new, but uh, nonetheless, they're saying it's new. They say, modern scholarship thankfully has recovered Jewish traditions about the flood that have long been forgotten. Well, they weren't forgotten, I, you know. But in any case, the reason modern scholarship is adopting it, because one of the greatest archaeological finds of the 20th century and maybe any centuries of the Christian church were the Dead Sea Scrolls. And the book of Enoch was found there, and Enoch describes what I described to you when we studied Genesis 6, and we looked at particularly first Enoch. So it says these ancient accounts have since helped to bring the picture of Christ's preaching into focus. Well, the book of Enoch has been in the Coptic Bible, I believe, since the first century, since the beginning of the Christian church. This isn't anything new. Enoch was there, but it was kind of ignored, but it's kind of hard to ignore it when it was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, along with, you know, writings about those who took their Jewish faith very seriously and waiting for the Messiah. I'm going on. Again, this is still from the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, which uh, I'm thrilled to read this. The main element of interest concerns an interpretation of the sons of God in Genesis 6-2. According to several Jewish texts, these are rebel angels called the Watchers who corrupted the world of men before the flood. And this is particularly 1 Enoch chapter 6 through 21, also Jubilees. Being spirits, they could not be destroyed by the waters of the deluge, so the Lord thrust them into the prisons of the underworld to await their final doom. Now, before we get any further, I do recommend reading 1st Enoch chapter 6 through 21, but if you just go to Amazon and put in 1st Enoch or 1 Enoch, E-N-O-C-H, you're going to see a bunch of bizarre, loony, new age resources and secrets to the universe and all this baloney. You really want to get this edition of First Enoch. It's scholarly, it's accurate, and it takes into account the text from Qumran. First Enoch, the Hermeneia translation. It's not the cheapest translation, but it's the most accurate translation, and it takes in consideration all the data available from the Ethiopic Bible from Qumran and all the Dead Sea Scroll fragments, okay? So you want to take that and it goes on, Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, the benefit of retrieving this forgotten perspective, well, I, it wasn't forgotten. It was just ignored by a lot of people who didn't want to consider it. But nonetheless, let's go on, is obvious for interpreting First Peter. The spirits in prison are not human souls at all, but the fallen angels whose wickedness was closely connected with the flood. 
in Jewish tradition. I would argue also in Christian tradition, explicitly in the epistle to Jude, and we're going to get there. We'll see this. So here's the idea, and this is from the Catholic Scripture Study published by Baker. Christ proclaimed victory over the angelic spirits who had disobeyed in Noah's day. And what was going on um, in his risen state on the way to being enthroned in heaven, he went and announced their final doom, trying to thwart the salvation of mankind in the kingdom of heaven. And by the way, Justin Martyr advocated all this and what I advocated to you in these early episodes of Luke 21. He did this in the year about 165. So this isn't something modern. It's just been recently recovered. So what does all this have to do with um, Noah's day, First Peter, but what about the days ahead, or maybe the days right in front of us, like right now? In Revelation chapter 9, we read, The fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. Okay? It's going to be unlocked. And he opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, And from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Now, some people might think this is kind of like a burning pollution and, you know, you choke and your sinuses go crazy. It's not what it's talking about. It's talking about a profound darkness that comes over the world when the pit is again opened as it was in the days of Noah. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 286 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.